This episode is supported by Bounty Kitchen, one of my absolute favorite Seattle restaurants. Bounty Kitchen is no joke an extension of my own kitchen, except that there's so much fresh, local, organic, and tasty stuff on the menu that it takes me forever to decide what I want. The good news is you literally can't go wrong. Check out greens, beans, and grains dishes like the braised beef bowl, or dive into the vegan and dairy-free Marrakesh market bowl, or try one of my personal favorites for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, the pot liquor bowl. There are also soups, salads, sandwiches, scrambles, and of course, toast, all infused with the deep love and commitment of founder and co-owner and my friend Meg Trainer and her team. Visit Bounty Kitchen at 7 Boston Street in Seattle's Queen Anne neighborhood or at 801 Lenora Street in Denny Triangle. And check out my interview with Meg on the podcast last year to learn more about her personal health journey and the inspiration behind Bounty Kitchen. I think women in particular often adjust their dreams to fit their circumstances rather than adjusting their circumstances to fit their dreams. So, you know, really looking at yourself, are you a, a waiter or a creator of your life? Are you, by waiter, I mean, you know, do you let life happen to you? Are you trying to keep status quo? You know, you kind of react rather than take charge. Or are you a creator? Do you create the life you want? Do you work at it? Do you think about what you want and plan for it? You'll reach your goal a lot faster if you're a creator. Welcome to Women on the Rise. I'm executive coach and lifestyle expert, Lara Dolch. And each week, I talk to thriving women about the practical self-care strategies they use to fuel their success and pursue what's most important to them in their careers and lives. We get real about topics like healthy eating, exercise, sleep, stress, time management, happiness, mindset and productivity while busting myths about work-life balance and being perfect along the way. My goal each week is to uncover new insights that you can immediately apply to your life to recapture your momentum, mind, body, and soul. Today, we're talking about goals, setting them, staying motivated as we go after them, and achieving them with less stress and more ease. This week's guest, Dr. Marsha Morgan, has an interesting take on how to stay focused on your goals, one that I had definitely not heard before. But before we get into goals, I wanted to quickly let you know that I have a few openings left for January VIP coaching intensives, which you won't find on my website, by the way. I'm only offering intensives to my inner circle for now, and that, of course, includes you. VIP coaching intensives are designed to give you the space, time, and outside perspective to figure out what you want and get out of your own way long enough to create a realistic, simple plan for moving forward. Turns out that one of my superpowers is creating order out of chaos. Anyway, these are half-day coaching experiences for motivated women ready to make their big dream for work, life, and or body a reality now. Intensives can be done in person in Seattle or via video conference from anywhere. I only offer them twice a year. Next time won't be until summer. And in VIP intensives, I have helped women design a plan for their next career move, create clear benchmarks for their business, and even dream up a brand new nonprofit venture, all while prioritizing personal passions and self-care, of course. If that sounds like something you could use, send an email to hello at lauradolch.com with the subject line VIP coaching intensive by January 10th, and I'll get right back to you with more details. Okay. Okay. Back to goals. So 
setting goals can bring up all kinds of drama. Just the other day, in fact, I got an email from a coach that I follow. She was sharing a process for setting 2019 goals, and I instantly had a wave of anxiety thinking about it. For me and for a lot of my clients, that anxiety comes from a fear of failure, from saying publicly, I want this and then not getting it. But it also comes from a fear of success. Because change of any kind, even if it's change you want, can feel stressful. Not to mention that other people have higher expectations of you as you rise to higher levels. So I was chatting with my friend Michelle Mazer about this goal anxiety, and she unknowingly articulated what I ask my clients to do when they set goals, which is change them from smart goals, which I personally think are ridiculous and counterproductive in most cases, to mindful daily habits. And by the way, if you're not familiar with SMART goals, SMART is an acronym that stands for Specific, Measurable, Actionable, Realistic, and Timed. Sounds great, but doesn't always work out so well. So here's what I suggest instead. Ask yourself, what daily habits does a person like the one I want to be have? So for example, what does a woman who feels energetic and confident every day eat for breakfast? What does a woman who brings her A-game to her work and or her family do every evening? What does a woman who runs her own business do every day before she gets to the office? What does she do in the middle of her day? What about at the end? So let's just break it down. Step one, what kind of person do you want to be? Who are some real people that exemplify that kind of person. And then step two, what kinds of things does that person do every day? Look for people in your life who you admire and want to be more like. Then see if you can figure out some of their daily habits or ask them if you know them personally, because that's where the magic happens with mindful daily habits. Simple daily habits will get you to your goals much faster than creating anxiety producing grand plans. Okay, now on to this week's interview. Today, I'm talking to Dr. Marsha Morgan. Dr. Morgan brings a wealth of experience helping women reach their potential, drawing on more than 40 years as a national consultant, researcher, trainer, and author on gender and crime. This sought-after motivational speaker and best-selling author tackles the casualties of women's dreams and presents tools on how to recapture those dreams in her latest book for women and girls called Go! how to get going and achieve your goals and dreams at any age. Marsha has such an interesting perspective on goal setting, one that combines the best of techniques like mindfulness, visualization, and tenacious planning, pulled from the worlds of sports, business, and personal development, and from cultures all over the world. I think you'll love our conversation and also come away with a whole new perspective on uncovering and achieving your goals. Enjoy the interview. Marsha, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. Glad to be here. Yeah, I'm really excited for this conversation. And but yeah, since we're talking about goal setting this week, you know, uh, your book is is a very relevant piece of that. And I want to talk a lot about the concepts that you cover in your book and, and kind of how you came to them. But let's start with a, a, a concept that you offer in your book about dream drain. Can you talk about what that is and why it shows up more often for women and girls? 
Sure. Yeah. Um, dream drain is basically the evaporation of one's goals, dreams, and aspirations. You know, it can disappear or fade away in many different ways. Women experience it uniquely. You know, as a criminologist and researcher, you know, I've worked nationally over 40 years with women and girls in prisons and jails and detention facilities, you know, to keep them safe and to help them hopefully lead successful lives once they get out. And, you know, many were high risk, they'd experienced trauma, had low self-esteem, they were really kind of in survival mode. So if I was talking to them about goals, I mean, they really were thinking maybe five minutes ahead in their lives. You know, goals was just something that had not happened to them or that it was just, it had, it had drained away. And I just started sharing some of those stories with women friends who were, you know, out in the community, like who were stay-at-home moms or lawyers, high-tech corporate executive types, and they all said that they could relate to that. They may have had different kinds of life circumstances, but I realized that it really was an epidemic for all women, that they had experienced dream drain at some point in their lives. So I started doing workshops not only in the, in the prisons um, and, and trainings and so forth. I started doing them out in the community and just found that all the women started getting excited, kind of empowered, energized around that they can avoid dream drain and they can go for what they want out of life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and so as you're talking to all these women about this and that this concept is resonating with them, you know, do you, do you see it show up for men too? I mean, it must in some form, but I'm curious to know, like, yeah. Like, do you know what it looks like from a, from a gender perspective? Like when you compare genders? Um, definitely men have dream drain, but I would say if I could sum up why dream drain happens, it's, life and women have different life experiences. So I found that women tend to put their dreams on the back burner more often than men. When they get married, oftentimes it may be a, you know, the roles kind of prescribed that the woman can't keep pursuing her goal to be a graphic artist. Uh, maybe she has kids, um, you know, that takes priority. Um, maybe she's the primary caregiver, this, maybe a single mom, obligations, you know, social norms. You know, women are still, you know, tend to be ones who sacrifice a lot and kind of the peacemakers in the family. And, and those are I think, wonderful characteristics, but we oftentimes think of goals as, you know, sort of zero sum, you know, that there aren't enough goals to go around. But, you know, what I say in the book is that, you know, maybe your children are going for their goals doesn't mean you can't go for yours as well. And you can make that happen and make that work. So, so women are, I think, oftentimes put into roles that just kind of make it conducive that all of a sudden, you know, you wake up, 10 years later, and you go, what, what happened? Where did my dreams go? Yeah. So it is, it manifests itself differently uh, for men, for women. And I might just mention in 2016, just a couple years ago, there was a global dreams index survey that was done around in 14 countries around the world. And they interviewed 5,400 women, and they found that 50% of all the women had given up on their dreams. And the main reason was for societal norms. Uh, there was a fear of failing and also limited finances. And women, you know, nationally and internationally have more limited finances than men. Yeah. So, so many of the same hurdles that are kind of getting in the way for women rising in lots of different areas is what I'm, what I'm sort of hearing. And 
And I also love that you mentioned the whole zero sum approach, because that's something that I see in my work a lot with high achieving women is, you know, and we're specifically working on, you know, goals related to mind body health as a means of supporting success, but they often think of them as all or nothing. And can you talk a little bit more about that and maybe how to shift that perspective so that you can move towards your goals, even when you can't go maybe all in, in the way that you would like? Yeah. Um, gosh, there's so many ways to approach it. I think the first thing is just to recognize it. And it's that mindfulness piece, you know, that, um, that it's okay to feel okay about yourself going for that kind of goal. I, I always use this example, um, the sage advice of flight attendants when they say, you know, you need to put on your own oxygen mask first before helping others. And that's that same kind of thing that you as a mother, as a wife, as a a single woman, you know, you really do need to take care of yourself in order to be healthy for those around you as well as for yourself. So um, I don't know if that exactly got to your zero sum thinking, but it's, it's just, um, it's not only regularly thinking about that, but just being okay with it too. It's, it's all right. Right, right. Well, and it's funny, I actually had a guest in the first season of my podcast where we were talking about the oxygen mask analogy and oh. <laughs> she's the mother of, um, of two young boys. And she was talking about how she had found that some women in her circle kind of railed against that analogy because for a variety of reasons, but I think she shifted a little bit and talked about how we're part of a, let's say, you know, you have a family, you're part of a family unit. And that unit is, you know, we talked about that being sort of a circle and, and that, you know, one, if one link in the circle is weak, the whole circle is weak, right? So it's sort of, you know, it's a slightly different way of looking at it, but, but same, same thing that you're saying. And, and also um, just that mindfulness piece of it, which actually makes me think about, you know, you advocate a combination of, you know, mindfulness, um, what you call repetitive visualization. And then you also say tenacious planning when it comes to reaching goals. Can you talk about why you think each of those things is important to getting to your goals? Yeah, that's, that's, I'm really excited about those three things, that mindfulness, repetitive visualization, and tenacious planning, because there's a lot of literature out there about each of those things. But I really have found in my work with women that you need all three of them to be there in order for a woman to reach her goals. And by all three, I, I kind of took some things that are out there already in, in, the, uh, in the literature. I looked at vision boards, which I'm sure you're familiar with, you know, where people cut out Absolutely. pictures and, and you visualize what you want. But in a way, it's a kind of one dimensional thing. You visualize it and hope it manifests itself. Right, totally. So, so there's fingers. Yeah, exactly. So there's that one piece. I also looked at home altars and I travel around the world and I've looked at altars in various countries and I don't mean necessarily religious ones. There's oftentimes ones that are for rites of passage or celebration of birthdays or, you know, all different kinds of altars. They're almost always created by and maintained by women. It was the objects themselves gave some special meaning and energy to the people that were around them. So I took a vision boards, looked at altars, and then I looked at the business literature on action planning, you know, where you look at timelines, you look at resources in your life, and you make a plan on how to reach your goal. So looking at all those three things, I thought goal objects are really something that would achieve that. And the book talks about how to make a plan around those goal objects, something 
that you find and you keep around you as a regular reminder of your goal. I love that. I I have chills like listening to you describe that because it so resonates with me. Like I've always described myself as like, I'm a very analytical person. Um, (laughs) And I, I think as I, especially as I have kind of become more steeped in kind of personal development literature and psychology and all the things that I have always been attracted to, I also find that things like vision boards or visualization, however you want to think of that can be helpful too. So the fact that you've, that you've taken kind of the best of all of those things in my view and combine them into this idea of goal objects is so amazing. And really, I feel like describes kind of um, the intuitive way that I plan my goals. Can you talk a little bit more about the goal objects themselves and what, what they are for can maybe mm-hmm. some examples of what they are? Sure. Um, yeah, the title of the book is Go, you know, with an exclamation point, and that stands for goal objects. So um, the main thing about the objects is that they don't give power. They're not some sort of magical, <laughs> mystical kind of thing, but the meaning and attention given to them gives the woman her energy and her drive. So I, I wish I could give you some pictures <laughs> on your podcast because there are such fun ones that women have come up with. They are very simple things such as I remember one woman who had a little ceramic bird that she kept by her computer because she didn't like her job and she was wanting to take flight and create her own business. So every noon hour, she would look at that bird and she went out and you know found office space. She took her lunch hour to write her business plan. She, it was her noon hour thing, but she always had that little bird reminding her. Some put things on keychains, some put pictures of their object, whatever it might be. Maybe it's a picture of a scale of justice and they want to go to law school and they put that on their screensaver, their phone. A woman in one of my workshops wanted to be a veterinarian and she got a dog dish, um, like a two-bold dog dish, bright yellow, and put pennies on one side. And the other side, she put little slips of paper of what she needed to do, the steps she needed to take to get into veterinary school. She was going to volunteer, you know, at a you know, vet clinic and, you know, tried to talk to her aunt about getting some money to go to school, <laughs> you know, all these little interesting things. That was a favorite. And then another favorite one was a woman who wanted to open up a food truck uh, to sell cupcakes. And so she got a muffin tin and, you know, has 12 little slots. And so she had a 12 month plan on how she could get this business off the ground. And so each little muffin tin indent. She put little slips of paper in there, um, what she needed to do. She had a little truck that she had glued to the side, little little miniature cupcakes. I mean, it was just, it was really cute. So it can be that elaborate or it can be something extremely simple, you know, like a Christmas ornament, you know, a lot of themed Christmas ornaments these days and, you know, just get a Christmas ornament and tape it to your computer. You know, so it's very fun and it's very individual. Yeah. Well, and I think that it, again, it speaks to, you know, for a lot of us, you know, being a visual person, like, I think that's part of why it appeals to me is because, you know, I'm a visual learner and, and there's something about having a, you know, the visualization piece of it that's, that's very helpful for me. What have you noticed about, or maybe in the literature, have you noticed about, the ability to reach goals using this kind of framework versus not like, is there anything to support greater success or, you know, I'm just curious. Yeah, there, there is. And I I really did a lot of reading around that. There's a number of um, studies out there, uh, mostly in the, in kind of the business literature that shows that people who think about their goals are much more likely to achieve them. I think I'm just 
getting this off the top of my head, but it seemed like it was around 82% of those who regularly think about their goals will reach their goals. I actually think that's why post-its are so successful. You know, <laughs> you write little, you know, totally. notes to yourself and, you know, they're stuck all over the place because you remind yourself of, of what you want to do. It keeps you on your path. And then there's a lot of literature around visualization, especially around athletes. You know, if you watched the Olympics last time, you probably remember and Lindsey Vaughn or whoever was at the top of the, the ski slope ready to go down around those gates, you often saw, you know, the athletes close their eyes. You'd even see them kind of swish their head back and forth because they were visualizing, you know, going down, you know, through the slalom or whatever. They also would visualize at some point uh, standing up on the winner's podium and bending over and, and getting their medal. So it was, wasn't just the path that they would visualize, but actually achieving the goal that they wanted. So there's a lot around, you know, that shows that thinking about and visualization can really work. Well, it sounds like these goal objects are a sort of a shortcut for getting our brains to get into that visualization. Is that, is that an accurate statement? Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. In fact, the, the first part of the book, I just, you know, talk about some of these things and gosh, there's 19 barriers I've identified that women often. Um, yeah, I want to talk about that. Oh yeah. Okay. That they, they come across. But the second part of the book really does um, help you identify your, your goals and dreams, how to find the goal objects and the container, if you want to put it in some kind of container and then how to create and stage the objects and then how to develop your action plan around it. So there's a lot of kind of workbook kind of um, questions and answers you can answer for yourself. And that, that helps you kind of get your juices going on what type of object might work for you. Yeah. Yeah. Can you, I mean, obviously, you know, without kind of like reading the book here, can you, can you give (laughs) people some tips on just, you know, maybe what the three steps to kind of, I don't know, however you want to frame that, like the, the beginning step that they can take in this process? Yeah. The first one actually is one of the hardest for a lot of people, you know, really identifying your goals. I think it was Lewis Carroll who said, if you don't know where or what you want, you know, any road will do, you know, you can just kind of just go through life. And then all of a sudden, oh my gosh, you know, all these years have gone by. So there's a lot of things in there. I talk about, um, look at your dreams from your childhood. Lots of times around, especially nine and 10 years old for, for girls, there's some real raw energy around what you want. Maybe you want to get in a hot air balloon and travel around the world. Maybe you want to be an astronaut. Um, whatever that is, kind of look at your childhood and what were some of those things that, that really got you jazzed, um, you know, and, and energized. So uh, there's also some research that those dreams for girls tend to fade away in early adolescence too. So around 13 or 14, it's easy for them to lose those. But look at early messages you got from people. Maybe someone said, gosh, you really can draw well, or um, you're a good cook. So what were some of those things you got? Or discouraging messages too. So some of those you might want to ignore. You know, what did you want for yourself? What are some of your motivations? Some people want fame and fortune. Some people want money. You know, there's a lot of different motivations. Maybe people want to find the cure for cancer. So when you look at your motivation, I will say the research shows if money is your motivation, it's, it won't keep you on your path for very long. It really is not a passionate path, which is probably not profound for a lot of us, but you know, a lot of people forget about that. Yeah. Yeah. And then looking at who and what supports your dreams that can also keep you on the path or not. I, I guess 
if I was going to have one takeaway from as you're trying to figure out what you want is if you've got positive people around you, you're more likely to achieve your goals and dreams because there's so many people that can undercut and uh, not support what you want to do. Those toxic negative folks. Totally. Yeah. It's important to have the right tribe around you is kind of the way that I think of it. I found that to be very much the case. And, and also what you're talking about, like, you know, your example of money is the goal, like that's fine. But like, why? Like it's the, I talk to my clients a lot about why they want what they want. And it sounds like that's sort of what you're getting at. Like the deeper motivation is that part of this process. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's, that's really true. And, and to kind of prepare yourself for, for the long run, I think we're a, such a society of instant gratification that it takes work to go for your goals. They don't just happen like they do on TV in 30 minutes, you know. No, um, they do not. <laughs> so I think women in particular often adjust their dreams to fit their circumstances rather than adjusting their circumstances to fit their dreams. Mm. That's, you know, something I talk quite a bit about. And so, you know, really looking at yourself, are you a, a waiter or a creator of your life? Are you, by waiter, I mean, you know, do you let life happen to you? Are you trying to keep status quo? You know, you kind of react rather than take charge or are you a creator? Do you create the life you want? Do you work at it? Do you think about what you want and plan for it and that kind of thing? I, I would guess most of your podcast listeners are creators or want to move more into the creator category. Yeah. And that's probably how things are going to happen. And you'll reach your goal a lot faster if you're a creator. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Well, and I love what you said about, you know, adjusting your circumstances, you know, or again, sort of taking control of that a little bit more. Um, I want to just quickly circle back to, you mentioned some of the hurdles that show up, you know, sort of the mistakes that, that women make when setting and achieving goals. Can you talk about a couple of those? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I probably would just call them more barriers, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but uh, gosh, there's just so many. Um, like I said, there's 19. I'll just pick out a, a few that are, I think, the, maybe the most unique to, to women. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the biggest barriers and probably no surprise, you know, is time, energy and, and planning. You know, people say, I don't have time to do this. I'm, you know, working full-time job and I've got PTA or I've got to run the kids here and there and la, 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 whatever it is. And that is exactly the time you need to pay attention to this sort of thing, what your goal is, because that craziness is not going to stop. It's going to escalate. And you know, just really thinking differently about time and energy and what you believe in you have time for kind of thing. So um, really reevaluating what that is. Another one is for women, I think more than men, is the fear of being different. And that kind of ties in a little bit with fear of success. Women, I think, um, and the research shows this too, are more relational than men. They generally are more inclusive, you know, do things in groups, more verbal. They define themselves oftentimes in relation to others. So when somebody feels like, oh my gosh, I'm, you know, getting this attention or I'm, you know, being different than my friends, that is getting them out of their social comfort zone. And so it's, it sounds kind of weird, but it relates to being successful. I want to be successful, but I don't want my friends to think badly of me or that I'm leaving them behind or, you know, that kind of thing. That, that is a little bit unique for, for women, I think. Yeah. And another one that's a little more unique, I think, is perfectionism. 
Mm, and um, yeah, that we we just say the P word in my household. <laughs> we, we don't even use the word perfectionism because I love it. Yeah, it's uh, it is uh, deadly. Um, but you know, men and there's a lot of great literature out there on perfectionism, a lot of books and so forth. But you know, men are still generally taught to be brave. You know, to take more risks, and women are still taught to be perfect. And I think that's changing. I really do. I think with women in sports and just the, you know, acknowledgement that, you know, women can be doctors too. I mean, just all those kinds of things that are out there, you know, it's, it's definitely changed, but it's still there. There are those types of things. Women need to be able to feel that it's okay to, I don't even like to use the word fail, but, you know, to take a few steps back and say, oh, darn, that didn't work. And, uh, maybe I can try this and go this direction and, yeah. um, you know, so, but the, the, the failing is how you learn. It really, it, it truly is how you need to pull yourself up and say, okay, I'll try this direction now. Absolutely. No, I, that's a, that's something that I've had to learn very much as a business owner that, you know, and I like to think of it as, you know, everything's an experiment. And it's funny too, because that's the framework that I use with my coaching clients when it comes to sort of mind body health is, you know, it's an experiment. We're just trying certain things to find the right thing. And yet when I started running up against that same wall in my business and feeling like I was failing and I, I had to sort of coach myself into saying, oh wait, it's an experiment, right? I'm collecting data. That's all I'm doing is collecting data. And mm-hmm. refining what what I'm doing, and I think that can apply to really any set of goals. And I'm actually curious about you personally, you know, as far as self care, because that's obviously you know the big framework for this podcast is how self care uh, supports success and career and life. Your consulting work and your work in general deals with some pretty heavy topics like sexual violence and social justice. What role does self care play in your ability to be there for the people and organizations that you serve? Mm-hmm. That, that's really a good question. <laughs> and, and when I, I grapple with quite a bit, because I am a workaholic, it's a, it can be challenging. And I really do try to plan self-care into my calendar, which is kind of a sad commentary, but... Um, no, I love it. I think that's great. <laughs> yeah, I, I just this last year started to try to do a massage, you know, one, once a month. And, and I always feel so great when I come out and I would at the beginning kind of go home and say, oh, I need to probably make another appointment. So I do make an appointment as soon as I get done with a massage. So I, I kind of build that in so I can't talk myself out of it or say, I don't need to spend that money kind of thing. <laughs> I really try to exercise and I can easily talk myself out of that. So I have a, a, a friend, a woman friend who has been exercising with me. I do deep water aerobics and deep water running. I used to actually be a, a ground runner <laughs> on soil until I had a bad knee. So that that seems to to do it for me. And um, I do creative things, you know, and that's actually how I fall asleep is remodeling and doing creative projects in my brain. So that's, that's a piece. Oh, and adult beverages occasionally with my (laughs) women friends. Hey, you know what? Sometimes that counts as self-care too. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. I, I think that's great. Yeah. It sounds like, you know, just you, like a lot of my listeners, you know, use, I mean, use your calendar to put it in. I mean, if that works for you, I think that's great. And that's something that I absolutely advocate. I often say that if it's not on my calendar, it's not real. And I think, you know, also giving yourself flexibility, you know, can be um, an important piece of that as well. And, and uh, recognizing that some days are better than others and that that's okay. Right. Sort of like what we were talking about the whole zero sum. It's not a zero sum game. (laughs) Yeah. 
Exactly. And, and you know, my, my goal objects that are next to my desk, one of them is around health. So I do see that every morning and I have my little timer that I, you know, stand up every, you know, 35 minutes or so, you know, from my computer and, you know, all those kind of little things to try to remind myself to move. Yeah. What motivates you to do those? Like what, I guess, actually, let me ask it differently. What happens in the way that you show up for your life and your work when you don't do some of those things? How do I feel? I'm, I don't have patience. Is that what you mean? Just kind of. Uh, yeah. Just, I mean, if that's how it shows up for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm stiffer. And so I don't feel that good, <laughs> you know? So it just, uh, I just, I do have more energy when I exercise. So I would say I just am not as present maybe. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think that's a pretty common experience. So, you know, as we kind of begin the new year, what's something that you'll be doing or maybe have already done to get clear about what you want for 2019 and kind of set yourself up for for getting it? Well, this probably sounds really trite, but my entire um, career, I have had a black paper calendar (laughs) that I've carried. I I do kind of a combination of old school paper calendar and my electronic one too. But this year, I actually got a purple and pink paper calendar that has an Indian elephant on the front. It says, dare to dream big. So I'm actually having fun with a calendar. I mean, that sounds kind of funny, but I've already started working on putting things in. But every New Year's, for the last 25 years, I sit down, I have six questions that I ask myself, and my husband usually isn't included in his filling out the things too. Um, We do it on New Year's Eve, and it's kind of a reflection on what, um, you know, how I feel on the New Year's Eve, what I worry about, it's kind of the best things that happened the past year, the worst things that happened the past year, what I hope for the future, and I also revisit my go display, my goal objects. Um, Is there anything I want to adjust or change sometimes? those goal objects kind of come in and out. So it's really interesting and kind of fun to look back over the 25 years because I keep that piece of paper in that notebook to see what's different, what's changed, just kind of my view of things. So so I look at that and probably this year will be a lot of focus on on my book. I'm doing a lot of speaking engagements and things. So that's fun. Well, and I love the calendar that it sounds like a fun thing to look at and that makes it more, hopefully more fun to, to do the planning. So thank yeah. you for sharing well, that. Oh, yeah, I don't know why it, why it took me so long to get a purple calendar. <laughs> <laughs> Those little victories, you know? Yeah, totally. So where can people best connect with you and, and learn more about you and what you're up to? Um, sure, yeah. I'm in Bend, Oregon, actually. Um, <laughs> but I, I do have um, my website. It's Marsha K. Morgan, and Marsha's M-A-R-C-I-A, and middle initial K, Morgan.com. Um, that's it has information about the book, you know, it can be ordered on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and bookstores. So yeah, you can order it through there or, or whatever. And um, yeah, I just would love to hear if people buy the book. I'd love to hear stories that really, that feeds me. I, I'd like to hear what people have done and, and what's worked and how it's changed their life. I, I'm just keeping little notes of that too. I love that. Yeah, me too. That's part of why I do this podcast is because I love the this, you know, stories that, that women tell. So thank you so much for sharing some of yours. I really appreciate it. Sure. Thank you so much for having me. That's it for this week's episode of Women on the Rise. If you're ready now to wake up with the energy, clarity, and confidence to take on your goals, visit lardalch.com slash women on the rise to get a few resources I pulled together just for women on the rise listeners. 
For show notes and resources mentioned in this episode, visit lauradolch.com slash podcast. And if you liked what you heard, please rate and review the podcast in Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or Spotify. It's a huge help to the show and I truly appreciate it. This episode was produced by me with editing help from Dave Nelson at Lensgrip Media. Thank you.